But uh, we're in the middle of the series called Act Like Men, and uh, we're going off of this verse in Corinthians that uh, Paul wrote. It says, uh, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be courageous. So we're kind of taking each one of those segments and making a sermon out of it. Um, And the sermon series is for men, but it's important for everyone to hear, because wives, you need to know your men's role, your your man's role in the home, and be able to support that. Uh, Young men, you need to know what your role is. If a young man in here is not married, this is important for you to understand your role as a man. Uh, Young girls in here, you need to understand the role of a man so you can actually pick one out that'll play that role. Um, so it's important for everyone to understand the role of a, of a man. And so we're seeing this, just this fallout of, of men being men and acting like men. So that's kind of the point of this uh, sermon series. But uh, men and women are created very differently. I grew up with eight sisters. I understand that very, very well, um, that we're just wired differently and we do different stuff, which is good because it creates balance. And God was very wise to do that. Can you imagine a world that women would have no influence in? It'd be a pretty scary, stinky place. Um, And and let's flip it around. Can you imagine a world where men would have no influence in? I mean, that would be a pretty scary place. I got some pictures that demonstrate how scary that could look. First picture we got here is bowling. I mean, it would drastically affect bowling if women had all the influence. And then next, I mean, what else would it affect? Would it affect uh, our computer systems and how our mouses and computers would be set up? Um, And it would also affect buying cars. Um, it would be a lot simpler process, but if, if women had all the influence of buying cars, it'd be, pretty, it'd be set up pretty easily. And what else would it affect? It would definitely affect parking. Parking would look completely different if women had all the influence in how to set up a parking lot. And then also, it would be different as far as the decorations in the bathroom. If women had all the influence, uh, that's definitely how our, ba- uh, our bathrooms would be decorated. So my point is, it's important that men play their role and women there play their role because it creates this balance life that God wanted for us. So Paul wrote this letter to uh, Corinth, uh, the, cor- the church in Corinth. It's called 1 Corinthians. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians. Um, and this letter was to a church that Paul had started, and he was trying to help them out with issues they were going through. Now understand Corinth. Corinth was this town that was next to a pretty big seaport. Now Obviously, traveling with ships was a pretty big, important, or pretty big, uh, important thing in those days because they didn't have planes and all that other stuff. So the seaport was kind of the life of the community as, and also the life of the community um, internationally too. So people, ships would be coming in all the time. They'd be dropping off goods. There'd be a lot of trading going on. All these different people would come here. It was just a pretty lively place. Now, a problem Paul was seeing in the church was that with all these different people coming in from all over the place, with them, they were bringing religions and gods with them. And the church started struggling because, you know, this is a church that was pretty active in the community there. And this church was dealing a lot with these people. And they were trading with them and they wanted to have favor with them. And some of the church started really kind of wavering in their beliefs. Because like, well, you know, I know this guy over here came up with a different religion. And, you know, he kind of has some good points. I kind of like that. So I, I'm cool with him believing that. Or like, you know, who am I to say that my religion is, or my, my belief in God is the only way to live? I mean, and so Paul started to see this relativism starting to come into the church. And so he wrote this letter. And one of his main points of this letter was standing firm in the faith. And uh, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, 
That's the verse the series is built off. This was kind of his sum up of the whole letter. He was just summing it off. He had written this long letter. And then he's, all right, he's like, to sum it all up. He's doing his final little goodbyes and stuff with the letter. He was saying, to sum it all up, this is what I want. I want you to be watchful, which Dwayne preached about, our legacy and, and guarding that legacy um, last Sunday. And he said, I want you to stand firm in the faith. And he goes on to say, act like men and be courageous. And that's what we're preaching about, stand firm in the faith. Um, Paul was seeing this collision between the culture, what the culture is saying the religious man should look like, and what um, God was actually saying. So he was saying, don't give in to these false religions. Watch out for these false religions. Stand firm in the faith. We live in a very similar uh, culture. Lots of different beliefs and people from all over have different religions. Not because we live next to a seaport, which sometimes I wish we did, um, but because of the internet, because of books, because of easy access to material. Um, as a culture, we have been straying further and further from the faith, and it's causing major problems in the evangelical Christian world today. In the church of America, it's causing huge problems. Because our culture now, it used to not be this way, but our culture now is a very relativism culture, where there's no absolute truths. Um, it, the attitude is kind of, look, you believe what you want to believe, I'll believe what I want to believe, and hey, we'll agree to disagree. To the place now that our culture actually looks down upon strong convictions. I mean, look at our culture. Think about our culture. Think what you see on television, what you, how you interact with people. It actually looks down upon people who actually stand for something, have strong convictions. And what it really praises is open-mindedness. You hear it all the time. Oh, be more open-minded. Think outside the box. Be open-minded. That is what our culture now accepts and is, and is encouraging people to do is not. Strong convictions are no longer the thing to have. It's to be open-minded and to try new things. But Scripture is clearly calling us to have the opposite mentality. Let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verse 58. This is earlier on in the Paul's letter when he's talking about this. Uh, in verse 15, 58, Paul says, Therefore, my beloved brothers... Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that, the, that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. In other words, stand firm in the faith. Be steadfast, immovable. Paul is pleading for strong convictions that can't be pushed away. And that's what I want to plead with you guys this morning, that we have strong convictions that can't be pushed away, that are immovable. But... We have to recognize this tension because that's something that our culture sneers at. And even in, I'm not just talking about our culture, but it's filtrated into the evangelical Christian culture, which means the church culture. The, the, our churches, our neighboring churches, it's starting to sneak its way in there where, where we've kind of bought into this relativism culture and we are really valuing open-minded people over people who stand with strong convictions. Even to the extent that if you don't go through some major theological shift or worldview shift in every so many years, you are often labeled as behind times or even worse yet, arrogant. The, the postmodern way of thinking is have tolerance of people. That's the message of our postmodern culture. Have tolerance. And by tolerance, they mean never saying you are wrong. And if you do, then you're prideful and you're arrogant. But listen, that kind of tolerance 
That's not humility. That's unbelief. If you can't ever say somebody's wrong, you don't believe in anything. Because if you believe something is right, then something has to be wrong. It has to be. So to think, oh, I'm being tolerant. I'm saying, you know, well, you know, everybody can kind of be right. That's not humility. That's unbelief. You don't believe in anything. Strong convictions are very necessary for true faith. Very necessary. You have to have strong convictions. It is not arrogant to have strong biblical conviction. It's our duty to have them. It's our calling to have them. First Colossians 1.23 is what it says. Indeed, you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which has been proclaimed in all generations under heaven, in which I, Paul, became a minister. Stable, steadfast, stand firm in the faith. It's a must as followers of Christ, something that we should be greatly concerned about, especially in this, in this tolerant culture. And I would like to, like to point out as a side note here, Paul said, stand firm in the faith. He didn't say, pick a faith and be faithful to it. He said, stand firm in the faith. There's only one faith, and it's through Jesus Christ. There's no other way to God, there's no other way to heaven, but through Jesus Christ. And the reason I want to make a side note of that is because in this culture, if you're living for Christ with strong convictions, you will be asked that question. You will. Is Jesus really the only way to heaven? I mean, you watch interviews of celebrities, Christian celebrities, you know, they get on Jerry Springfield, whatever, they're always like, you know, is, uh, is Jesus the only way to heaven? I mean, it's true. And the world hates it. Hates it. When we're forced to say yes. I'm amazed at how many people squirm over that question. Well, you know, I mean. Because we don't want to say it because it's not correct to say it in our culture. As it's just amazing. how So it's amazing how many people squirm over that question. So the thing is, it's the faith we're talking about. And you have to know what you're going to say when that question appears. Because it's going to appear for you. Men. This is important for you guys. Stand firm in the faith. Um, if you're one of those men who changes what they believe every time they hear a new doctrine or a new interpretation of belief in a book or a sermon or a discussion, you got to read your Bible. you got to know the truth. You're not only just confusing yourself, but you're confusing all those who are following you, making you a very hard leader to follow if you're constantly changing what you believe. A new sermon, ooh, I think I believe that. I like that. Ooh, like, ooh that sounds good. I like that. How can your family follow you for one thing? Second of all, like, you're confusing yourself, and, uh, and it's misrepresenting the faith which you are called. There's so many wrong faiths that are under the, um, under the cover of Christianity, and it's wrong. Uh, men, we are called to be, in Psalms 1, we're called to be trees planted by streams of water. Okay, growing, full of life, energetic, but not moving. Not moving at all. Now, I want to clarify some things here. Um, I'm not saying that you should never change your theological views. But by the way, theological, that is the, the study of God, your view of God. That's what theological means. So when I throw that word out there, that's what I'm talking about. And I'm not saying that you should never change your view of God. Because um, I myself have gone through some pretty significant theological changes um, to my belief system um, in the last five years. As I've been studying scripture, I've been seeing some places in my life that it's like, wait, I believe this, but it's actually not even in here. 
But what I'm talking about is this addiction to remodeling your religion all the time so that you have something new to play with. The next new thing, boom, I'm over, I'm doing that. Oh, I hear this, oh, I'm going over here. Our focus should not be trying to discover the newest doctrine on God or the most recent viewpoint on faith, but rather how we can stay steadfast and true to the Bible. Theological changes should happen from understanding the Bible in a more complete way, not from a convincing speaker with bold opinions and says things that we like. Men, be careful that you don't get itching ears. Be careful. Let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is a danger in our culture, and we see it happening all the the time, that men get these itching ears. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 4, we're going to start with verse 4. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, rebuke, reprove, exhort with patience and teaching, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers who suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, enduring suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. This is the hard reality of the evangelical Christian culture. Our churches, it's happening among us. Our culture is is getting into our church. And now no longer do we want to go hear sermons that preach truth or to have people influence us to speak truth. We want to have people kind of speak to us in a way that makes us feel good about our passions and what we like to do and what we want to do. We have these itching ears. Our itching ears should be for the truth. No matter how it's presented, we want truth. We want to know what truth is. Not, well, we want to keep doing what we want to do and then have people come and make us feel good about it. And there's such a pool in our culture for that, for the itching ears. I want to hear what I want to hear instead of this this hunger for truth. God's word is the only foundation we have to stand on. It's not people. It's not anything else but God's word. Stand firm in the faith, men. Confidence, unwavering heart is what God desires from us. Now, this is politically incorrect to have these strong convictions that you believe are true and nothing but the truth. And you will be attacked, attacked and you will be hated for standing firm in the faith. Matthew chapter 10. You don't have to turn there unless you want to turn there to make sure what I'm saying is right. But, I mean, it's pretty hard. He's starting at verse 16 and going through. I mean, Jesus talking to his disciples. He said, look, I'm putting you out there like sheep among wolves. If you're my follower, you're not going to be politically correct. (laughs) People are going to hate you for it. When you speak truth, you're not going to get a thank you for sharing that truth. In our culture, you're going to get eaten alive. You're going to get killed out there. They're going to drag you in front of courts. They're going to flog you. This is all what Jesus is saying to Matthew 10. And his promise isn't speak the truth and you will be accepted by everybody. His promise is this. This is where he ends in, uh, this is verse 22. He ends this way. He said, look, if you stand firm in the faith, if you endure to the end, you will be saved. That's the promise. 
The promise is not that, that, in fact, it's opposite. The promise is not that you're going to have a great life. The promise is that you're going to get eaten alive. Men are going to hate you for this. And when you see in our culture, someone stands up for faith, I mean, they get, they actually get murdered, especially on, on television. If someone's actually living their faith out and standing for it, I mean, you know those people, they're getting eaten alive. People are looking for all things they've done wrong, just eating them alive because they stand for something. As a follower of Christ, happen to Jesus, it's going to happen to you. The promise is, though, if you stand firm to the end, you will be saved. We have to make this decision. Are we following Christ or are we going to follow our culture? Because faith doesn't allow both. You can't. And look, man, if you are, if you are guilty of giving into this temptation of toning down your faith or even apologizing for the strong convictions that your faith requires of you, or even worse yet, trying to explain these convictions away because it contradicts what our culture allows and is okay with, man, you need to repent. You need to repent of that. We can't have that. That kills the church. To have this wave in person, well, it doesn't quite mean that. I mean, yeah, yeah it, kinda, it kinda stands for that, but, uh, but I, mean, I mean, it's okay to do this sometimes. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. The men who don't have strong convictions are swayed back and forth. If you're sitting here today and you're feeling convicted of that, you need to repent. We cannot tone down what Scripture calls important, what Scripture says stand firm in. We can't tone that down. It calls for drastic measures, radical living. It's, it's a tough lifestyle. It's rough. There's nothing easy about it. The following Christ is a road of hardships. But men, we need to do it. That's what we're called to do. We need to stand firm in the faith. I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to get real practical here. Um, our homes, they're getting attacked constantly, every day, by different things that are trying to crush your foundation of standing firm in the faith. And as a side note here, I'm not preaching this because I've mastered it, because I'm excellent at protecting my home. Um, I'm on a learning curve myself. And I want to preach this because it's truth. It's what the Bible says. If I was only going to preach out of what I mastered and what I'm really good at, then my sermons would be pretty shallow and short. Um, so that's, that's not why I'm preaching this. What I'm preaching is because I see this truth in the word of God, and I see myself included, but us as men really falling short of this. So I want to preach truth and hope that conviction happens and that we as men would stand up and be leaders in our home and protect our homes and be the home where Christ is glorified in and where kids walk out of and we can shoot them like arrows out in the community and they make differences and stand for the glory of God. Um, so that's the reason I want to get real practical here. I'm going to talk about three main areas that attack our homes and bring them down. Okay, man, this is for you. First one is money. Money is one of the biggest attacks on the homes here in America. Let's go to um, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6. This explains it so well. 1 Timothy chapter 6, we're going to be starting at verse 9. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and trap and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money, have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, 
Flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. I can't explain it any better than that. I mean, it's so clearly laid out. We live in this culture that tells us, again, this is, this is the culture friction of the biblical man. The Bible calls it to one thing. The culture calls it to another thing. What are you following? The culture tells you you need to keep up with the Joneses and your kids need stuff to be happy. You need to provide your, you should be buying your kids the car. You should be making sure your kids are going to the best schools. And you should be making sure your kid has everything they want. And some really good intending fathers who have great hearts have tried to give their family everything they could that money could buy, but in the end, unintentionally, have destroyed their families and have wrecked them because the family doesn't need money. They needed a leader who was going to lead them in righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. That's what they needed. But fathers bought into this culture of like, nope, your kids, give our kids everything. They're not going to be happy, let's give them everything. And they've ruined their kids for life because of that. Watch out for that attack, guys. Fathers, watch out for that attack of money. It sneaks in so fast. It's okay to be poor. It's okay. It's okay to not have a lot of money. That's fine. That's fine. The important thing is that your kids have a leader, have a father, and that your wife has a leader and a father that's going to show them godliness, righteousness, faith endurance, gentleness. That's what we need. Okay, the second thing to watch out for, men of the home, is false teaching. The Bible warns us about false teaching. Men, what kind of religious books, videos, are you allowing into your home? Are you protecting your family from false teaching? Do you yourselves know truth to be able to decipher what is false and what is truth? Men, you need to protect your homes in this way. It is so hard in this culture. I and mean, we got the largest church in America under the name of Christianity preaching a false gospel. We got books going crazy like Love Wins that's teaching that hell doesn't exist. And that's teaching false teachings. You no longer can just say, oh, it's a Christian author. Oh, it's a Christian book. Oh, it's a Christian sermon. I can watch it on TV. Oh, it's a Christian whatever. You can't do that. There's so many false teachings out there. Man, you have to know the truth. And you have to lead your family to truth. So when something is presented that's false, and wait, that, that's false, family. Let me explain to you what truth is. You go to the Bible and you explain it. Guys, Spiritual leaders of the home, you have to be protecting your family or false teaching will come in. It's no longer you not bringing it in. It's now it's you playing defense. You're trying to push it out because it is coming into your home. It's going to try to sneak in there. Third thing. This is my third and last thing I want you men to protect your homes from. Stand firm. Pollution by the world. James 1.27 says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Pollution means messed up, distorted. Men, what are you allowing in your homes? Are you protecting your homes from being polluted by the world? Remember, you are what you eat. Your home becomes what you allow it to be fed. Entertainment. I mean, let's go there. Is it wholesome? Is it, is it biblical concepts that are coming in? Is it good, moral, pure things? 
Or is it just like I'm so sick of battling with the kids of what to watch over TV, I'm just like, just watch whatever. I'm so, battling, I'm so sick of battling this whole movie about what to watch, what not to watch. I don't know anymore. It's, everything's good until that one scene. Do I, I mean, what do I do? It's hard. It's hard. This culture is so saturated with entertainment. Oh, my goodness. It's very hard. But, man, that needs to be the battle you're fighting. Will you fail? Yeah, you're going to fail. Will you mess up? Yeah, you're going to mess up. Should that stop you from fighting? Absolutely not. Your home cannot fail ultimately in this way. Protect Protect your home. Let's talk about the sexual drive of this culture. This is a sex-saturated culture. It's everywhere. Man, are you protecting your homes from that? Are you preaching and teaching your kids what God has called us to do with our sexual bodies? Sexually, what is truth and what is not true? Are you teaching, are you you just kind of like avoiding that subject? Or are you forward and saying, this is how God designed us, and this is what's true about sexuality. This is impure, this is pure. This is the way we view it, this is not the way we view it. What about yourself as men? I mean, pornography is huge among us. It's a hard battle. I'll be the first to admit, it's a hard battle. But men, you need accountability. You need men holding with you, standing with you in this. You need to have being God's word, be filling yourself up with God's word because if pornography is getting into your home through you, you're not just going down, you're bringing your whole family with you. It's gonna be passed on to the next and the next and the next. Husbands, you can't love your wives the way God taught you to love your wives if you're into pornography. It's hard. It's a battle. It's a constant battle. There's nothing easy about it. But men, you have to be standing up and being leaders and protecting your home. And maybe you're, you're sitting there today and you're just thinking, man, have I failed? I've really screwed up. My home is so polluted by the world. It's so money-oriented and it's so um, just messed up. <laughs> so many falsies. I don't even know what you, I've failed. Maybe, and maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking that today. Um, well, it's all right to fail. Many good people fail. The important thing is not that you failed. It's what you do with your failure. If you have failed, you need to repent. First thing you need to do, you need to repent of it. Go before God and say, I turn from this. I'm sorry. Go to your family then. Repent to your family. Tell them, would you forgive me for what I've done? And I'm changing stuff. I'm going to change stuff. I'm going to be now this protector, this spiritual leader that you need. And then get accountability. I don't know why these guys are all fighting these same battles and they're all doing it by themselves. Get accountability. Get into God's word so that you know truth. We have a great men's ministry here that does that. And you guys who are involved in that, you know what I'm talking about. They stand with each other. We talk about the hard issues. We hold each other accountable. It's good. It's good. Men, get involved in that. This is an intense battle. Absolutely intense. Because you can't afford to lose this battle. Because you've been given this responsibility to be the spiritual leader of the home. And you need to stand firm. You can't waver. This intense battle that we're in is not for the weak of heart. It's not. So be courageous. It's not for the pushover. Man, you gotta stand up. You gotta be up front. You gotta take some stuff. They're gonna be coming at you. Act like men. Fight hard for the faith to endure in your home. Men, Sometimes you hear this whole thing about church and how it's just for women and, you know, church and following Christ is such a womanized thing. There's nothing 
girly about being a man of faith. I mean, you gotta stand strong. You're gonna be attacked harder than any other men in our culture. It takes real men to be leaders in home. Real men to stand up for what's right and be able to take the blows and not fall. Okay, I wanna draw for you a little word picture here to end the sermon. Um, I was saying, well, how can I draw a picture to help me understand this concept? And I was like, well, football. Every, all guys like football. So here's a football um, picture I want to draw for you. Okay, so when you're watching TV and you're watching football, nobody gets excited about the huddle. Like, I mean, you're not like eating popcorn and you're like, oh, the huddle is on. You know, let's go watch the huddle. Everybody, quiet, quiet. It's the huddle time. Oh, they're huddling. They're huddling. Oh, look at them huddle. Like, nobody gets excited about that. We're all like, okay, time to get popcorn, something, you know. Um, but what we're excited about is the game. I mean, to see the game going on, all oh, the tackles. And, I mean, it's, that's a man sport right there. I mean, like, it's, you get excited about the game. That's what you want. What we're doing right now, this is the huddle. We're all kind of huddled in this room together, and we're talking about what to do. This is the huddle. The huddle is important. Because without the huddle, the players wouldn't know where to, what plays to have. You know what I mean? It's not the exciting part, though. This is kind of the boring part. This is where we get together and talk about these things, get the huddle, get the, get the strategy plan out and everything. My fear is that too many guys, Christian guys, too many of us are stuck in the huddle. <laughs> we like to talk about it. We like to pray for each other about it. We like to go to men's ministry. Again, men's ministry is important. Be involved in that. That's huddle time. That's some more huddle time there, all right? But it's not the game. It's not where the action happens. Men, get out of this huddle and go play the game. Because as soon as you walk out those doors there, you're Monday through Saturday, that's game time. That's action. That's when it plays out. That's when you're going to be seeing your blows and you've got to stand like men. You've got to fight hard. You've got to lay everything out there. Everything for the cause of Christ and stand firm. Don't be stuck in the huddle. Well, well we're talking about this stuff and we're, you know, and we're doing it. Like, go out there and put it in action. I think way too many times as a church we have way too many huddles and not enough action. Here's my challenge to you guys. We set a lot of great game plans going. We have a lot of strategies going on here. But now it's game time. The huddle's over. I'm done. The huddle's over. It's over. Completely over. You're going to walk out into the field. And are you going to play hard? Are you going to lay out everything? Are you going to play your best? Because the cool thing about this game is that we already know the ending. And we are promised that if we stand firm till the end, we will win. And we will be saved. My question to you, man, is are you actually going to play the game? Or are you going to go cower off to the side and just let the game go past you? You're on the team. You've been called to play. Give it everything you've got. Play hard because the game's short. And he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And it's a lot of people, your wife and kids, and a lot of other people who are counting on you to lead them and to play hard. Huddle's over. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word that brings truth to us. God, I just want to pray for myself and for every guy out here that we would be the leaders that you have called us to be. We'd be the players on the field that you have called us to be. Father, we would play hard. We would act like men. We would stand firm. We would take the blows and get back up and keep fighting. For your sake, for your glory so that your gospel may be carried out further to the next generations, that many people would come to know you through us, Father. 
God, I just pray for boldness, for bravery, for men out here. Father, I pray that as the culture fights them and hits them and calls them intolerant and arrogant and all the other names, Father, they would stand firm and they wouldn't buckle under pressure. It's just too much at stake, Father. We ask for your strength. We go out in your power. In your name we pray. Amen. Go play the game. Have a good week.